of this evening's reading is from Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 39. It's on page 1058 in the Church Bibles. And before I read, let's give it a moment to find. Let's briefly pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are conscious that uh, more even than usual this evening, we are uh, 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 walking into uh, uh, holy ground uh, as we look at this uh, reading uh, from the scriptures. We pray, Lord, that you would equip us, our hearts, minds, and spirits um, to uh, be with you in that holy place and that you would speak to us uh, and um, that we would uh, be uh, fully awake through it uh, and that you would indeed bring a, a wonderful message through Tim um, from this part of your, of your law. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus went out, um, as usual, uh, to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. Uh, on reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to So thank you very much, Martin, for uh, bringing our reading. Uh, thank you very much, Pippa, for um, your introduction. And thank you to Edward for inviting me to uh, speak here tonight. I mean, it's always a pleasure uh, to be here. You often see us uh, sitting with you, uh, usually towards the back as we've slipped in late. Um, but it's great to be at the front once again as we join together uh, in worshipping God, in singing, in praying, in listening to his word, and looking what our reading that we've just heard uh, from Luke's Gospel might mean to us here this evening. Tonight's passage from Luke turns our focus towards Easter. It takes us in a, to the few minutes between the Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples and the moment of betrayal by Judas Iscariot, who just moments before had been at table with Jesus and the others. The setting, we're told, is the Mount of Olives, which rises 250 metres above the old city of Jerusalem. Both Mark and Matthew give more details, 
and they refer to it being in the Garden of Gethsemane, at the very foot of the Mount of Olives, and much closer to the city. Even now, it's a place of peace, with olive trees and flowers around the church of all nations. Some of the trees have been shown to be a thousand years old, and to be, in fact, descended from a single tree, perhaps one that was there and which Jesus knelt beneath in the quiet and prayed. But as we gather, we also should look at our passage and we should be quiet for a moment and pray as well. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for those who preserved it for us over so many years. We ask that you will speak through me now to our hearts and our minds as we look at obedience to your plan. Amen. So as we sit here with the passage of noise outside from the traffic, perhaps we can in our minds imagine the warmth and the darkness of nighttime in Israel. A place of warmth, a place filled with the scent of flowers, so strong that it seems to wrap around you. Was it such a night when Jesus and his closest friends left the upper room, where so many words had been said about serving about sacrifice, about betrayal and death. Did the disciples notice the warmth? Did they see the stars shining brightly? Did they know of the scents of the, of the plants and the flowers as they left the city? And went once again to sit amongst the olive trees in that garden? Or were their minds in turmoil with all that was to come? The arrival of Jesus and his disciples amongst the familiar trees the well-used olive oil presses is our starting point as we once again reflect over the coming weeks on the journey from the Last Supper to Easter morning. We begin in Gethsemane in a garden of tears, tears of sorrow and pain and imminent death. And we'll end on Easter morning again in a garden of tears, but now tears of joy and hope and new life. The warmth and scents and the unchanging olive trees suggest a place of great rest and quiet. But the garden was to become a place of anguish, a place of angry crowds, and finally of betrayal. So let's look in a little more detail at our passage, starting with following Jesus and being obedient to him, following God's plan in the way that Jesus was obedient to that even to his death. And close with looking for a moment at this troublesome area of following our own plans. So as we heard in verse 39, it starts, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. Luke's narrative describes a short journey that seems to have become commonplace for Jesus and his disciples, at least since they arrived in Jerusalem just a few days before. Sometimes they went as far as Bethany maybe to stop at the home of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. But on this evening, they go only to Gethsemane and his disciples follow him. Many of those who had just been at table with Jesus had followed him for the last three years. They'd been called from boats, from fishing, from the tax booth, all called to follow Jesus, to answer his call, follow me. They've seen large crowds follow him. They've seen some desert him. They've been challenged about following Jesus. So in John we would read, 
You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. They've heard of the cost of following. No home, no bed, away from family and friends. But they've seen and heard and learnt and felt so much. And they've even started to learn who Jesus is. That he is the Messiah, God's anointed. So again in John chapter 6 they can say, We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. They've been told even more directly by God at the Transfiguration that this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. But they struggled with Jesus' words about his suffering and death. Jesus speaks of this three times and each time the disciples struggle. So in Luke chapter 10 we read, And Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected. Rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. And despite their bravado in the upper room a few minutes earlier, that they die for him if needed, you sense they may still be struggling with Jesus' words, that they too must suffer. So again in chapter 10 of Luke we read, Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. But whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And of course, Jesus knows that they'll struggle in the very near future. They'll run away, they'll deny him, they'll abandon him there in the garden. John's Gospel records that Jesus had already prayed for his disciples, as well as for all believers. But now Jesus tells them it's their turn to pray. To pray for themselves. Pray that they will not fall into temptation. Our translation, the NIV, uh, our translation of the, in the NIV of the original Greek, is to translate it as temptation. Other ones describe it as trial or testing. But temptation seems to fit well the ways that we can be led to a time and place where we feel our faith, our willingness to follow Jesus, is all being tested. We are tempted to leave the true way when our faith is put on trial. The word temptation probably conjures up other verses in the Bible. We heard Pippa read from Genesis chapter 3 just a few moments ago. Another garden, an altogether different time, but still the same challenge as the serpent, Satan tempts Eve with smooth words to ignore God's warning. His warnings and his instructions, tempting her to eat the apple from the tree that brought the knowledge of good and evil. And so the descent of humankind to a fallen world began. As we come to the New Testament, the threat of temptation comes to mind at least twice more before our passage tonight. Firstly, back in Luke 4, we have the temptation of Jesus, a very timely passage for Lent, which we looked at last week at Bellingdon with the help of Pippa. As in the Garden of Eden, it's Satan, the devil, who's doing the tempting. But this time it's not tempting the imperfect Adam and Eve, but the perfect man, Jesus. And as we know, Jesus resists those temptations, all temptations covering physical needs, power, wealth. He turns the devil's challenges aside with words of scripture, words of guidance and instruction given by God. Then we could look on to Luke, or in this case to Matthew chapter 6, where we have Jesus teaching on prayer, the prayer that we know now as the Lord's Prayer. 
Jesus said to them, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Every time we pray these words, the words that Jesus taught his disciples, we ask that God will strengthen us and guide us so that we're not led into temptation. Now, once again, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus reminds the disciples that as we wait for the kingdom to reach fulfillment, as we give thanks for God's gifts to us, as we seek forgiveness of our sins, as we forgive those who have wronged us, through all of this, we need to stay focused, to stay strong, to ask God to help us to resist being tempted away from his truth. And Jesus knows that in the next few hours and days, the disciples will need God's help for sure. They'll need God's strength. And ultimately, they'll need God's forgiveness to follow Jesus and stay true to his plan. And Jesus knows that for us, the challenges come over days and weeks and years. And that all those times we need God's help, his strength and his forgiveness to follow Jesus and to keep following God's plan. And it's the challenge of following God's plan that we turn to as we look at verses 41 to 44 and at Jesus and his prayers there on the Mount of Olives that night, turning from what the disciples were asked to pray for to Jesus' prayer that night. Jesus withdraws from the disciples, not far, a stone's throw away, we're told, maybe going deeper into the garden. We're not told why, but it seems reasonable to assume he wanted to be alone wanted to be there in the quiet. And, almost, and at once he kneels and prays, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. You sense a genuine urgency and intensity in Jesus' words as he kneels in prayer. This is a key moment in his life and a key moment in his death. And so in our life and death as well. Once again, Satan is there, just as he was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, just as he was with Jesus in the wilderness at the start of his ministry, just as Satan is so often on the edges of our lives, on our shoulders whispering, as described in another C.S. Lewis book, The Screwtape Letters. Jesus' words speak of anguish, and in anguish they speak of his agony as he, God's son, is challenged once again by Satan. And so Jesus asks his father if there is another way to save mankind. Maybe one that doesn't involve the cup of which Jesus speaks. A cup of suffering and death. This is Satan's last throw at the die. But even in this moment of anguish, Jesus' faithfulness to God's plan comes through. The question is not, I want to do this differently. But God, are you willing to change the plan? But in the same breath, the challenge of Satan is rejected, put aside, yet not my will, but yours be done. It's God the Father's plan, and Jesus the Son will stay true to it. And Jesus' words bring us again to the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, words we'll say together in a few minutes. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. It's God's plan, it's God's kingdom, God's will will be done. And God sticks to the plan. 
but Jesus' prayer doesn't go unanswered. The answer is that he's strengthened to carry on. Strengthened, we're told, by an angel. Angels are very regular visitors in Luke's narrative, particularly around the birth of Jesus and on Easter day. Whatever form the angel took, it strengthens Jesus' resolve. He's still in anguish and prays more earnestly, praying to clear his mind, to resolve, to keep his resolve going, to keep to the plan, preferring that all must take place so that you and I might be saved. Then in our last two verses, we hear that Jesus rises from his knees. He makes his way the short distance back to the disciples who, as you'll remember, were supposed to be praying praying they wouldn't fall into temptation. But of course, they're asleep. I'm sure we have a great deal of sympathy with them. A warm night, a long day, conflicting emotions whirling round in their minds, excitement, confusion, quiet, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, Jesus asks them. No condemnation, Jesus knew they were struggling and that the night and the day to follow would throw them into yet greater confusion. But if they're to face the coming hours, then they won't be able to rely on their own strength, their own resources, nor the swords they brought with them from the upper room. They'll need to wake up. They'll need to be ready. They'll need to be praying. Only in God's strength and trusting God's will can we be ready for the fulfillment of God's plan and the triumph that comes on Easter morning. The temptation is all too easy to fall away, to sleep on, to follow our own plans and not follow our saviour. And for us, we risk the same. We risk following our own plans, following the world around us. But like the disciples, we must get up and pray that we will not fall into temptation. But reassuringly, if we do fall and give way to temptation, then because Jesus was true and followed God's plan, all the way to the cross and the tomb, we have a saviour who will reach down and pull us back to the narrow way and to our place in God's plan. Now it's time to draw to a close and move on to the time when we share the bread and the wine around the Lord's table. And as we do so, we remember once again that Jesus stayed true to himself and true to God's plan, going all the way to the cross that we might be freed from a fallen world, raised to new life in Christ. And so as we close, I'd like to use some words from the church's service of night prayers. If you're not familiar with this service, then I recommend it as a way to bring a, a quiet end to your day. The first ones are from 1 Peter. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is prowling round like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Resist him, strong in the faith. And the introductory words from one of the passages of scripture. Save us, O Lord, while waking, and guard us while sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep may rest in peace. And as in other weeks recently, we have a question to think of over coffee. What helps us to strengthen our faith as we watch and wait for Christ's return? What helps us to strengthen our faith as we watch and wait for Christ's return. Now let's be quiet for a moment and reflect on following Jesus, on following God's plan, staying strong in the Lord when tempted to follow our own plans. And I'll close with a prayer that we might know the presence of Jesus, be strengthened so that we don't fall into temptation. So let's be quiet for a moment. <clears throat>
Heavenly Father, we know, we pray that we might know the presence of Jesus, your Son, in our lives. We might be strengthened so that we don't fall into temptation, but straight to true and fulfill your plan for building your kingdom here on earth, here in Chesham. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, up would I look and see him there, who made an end to all my sin. Amen. <laughs>